Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Final. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I might be the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Check. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, Islanders contributor for the fan sided Ion Isles website. Chris, are you there, sir? We're getting a little technical difficulties again. Let me try and bring Chris in here. Chris, are you with me this morning, sir? I, I am. How are you doing there, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. We got a lot to get to today. Got a really good show lined up. Alan Slaughterzinski is joining us. Dana Lane, as always, we're going to go down the Vegas Lane. There's a bunch of stuff to talk about in the Knights camp and the UNLV camp from this week. But let's break the ice right away. The first coaching domino falls in the National Hockey League, and it just ha- so happened to be Chris's beloved Islanders. So uh, Jack Capuano, relieved of duties as head coach. Dougie Wade comes in on the, with the interim coach label. First of all, Chris, just as a fan, um, what do you think of that? Was it time for a new face and a new voice in the, in the dressing room there in New York? Actually, it's the second domino because, remember, Gerard Galan got let go by the Panthers. Uh, yep, but, um, yep, my mistake, my mistake. No worries. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, uh, I was a little surprised simply because there had been a, a few times this year where I felt there were kind of breaking point moments. So they had started to play better, but still their biggest bugaboo has just been so many games losing them in the third period. Uh, and uh, when just a key play could have turned losses into wins, that's kind of been the theme this year. Um you know, something, but uh, the, the camel that broke the straws back, if you will, or vice versa, whatever, uh, is uh, <laughs> they lost a couple last week to the Carolina Hurricanes. They had a 3-1 lead, corked that up, uh, down 4-3, came out in the third period, got the lead back, played a real strong five minutes, and then just totally fell apart and lost 7-4. to I think Carolina had 45 shots in the game. Uh, I mean, Thomas Grice played well, even though he gave up seven goals. That shows you how much they left him hung out to drive. And uh, one of the owners, Jonathan Ledecky, was uh, on the road with the team for that game, and I guess that was that was it. And uh, even though uh, uh, they didn't make the move until after the Boston game uh, in Boston on Martin Luther King Day, when the uh, Islanders ironically won four nothing in Jack Campiano's final game, uh, they felt it was time to make a change. And with Doug Wade being there, being part of the franchise for a while now, and knowing all the players. Um, you know, he finished his career with the Islanders. He then uh, was part of the front office. Then he moved as 
uh, an assistant coach, plus still being assistant general manager, and he is very close with uh, many of the players. So, yeah, I think it's a new voice, and he's the interim. So uh, I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe he will get the rest of the season, and, you know, I think many things will be up for review at that point. So, uh, you know, they, they uh, believe it or not, uh, they, they have a chance uh, these next couple weeks. Uh, you know, they're not that many points uh, behind that second wild card. Unfortunately for them, they're in the Metro and not the Atlantic. Had they be in the Atlantic, uh, the Islanders would not only have a chance for that second wild card, but to finish in the top three of the, uh, officially in the second or third slot of that division. But since they're in the Metro, that's that's basically the fighting for one spot. So, uh, But they have a, a number of games in hand on just about everybody other than, I think, Toronto. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, like I said, uh, they're at the high watermark of the year of one game over 500. They have two big games tonight against one again at home against your L.A. Kings and tomorrow against the Philadelphia Flyers, which is also one of the teams they're chasing. So uh, the next couple weeks are big for them. Speaking of that game tonight, uh, Chris and I are going to be guests on on uh, the Kings Road Rules podcast after the game at seven o'clock. So follow at JD underscore Styles S T Y L Z, and he'll link out uh, he'll link out links to that show if you guys want to listen in to me and me and Chris go uh, uh, Kings Isles head to head there. But uh, I wanted to ask you, and it always bothers me when. Um, it seems like a young team is is taking that step, taking that next step. And and last year we know that the Islanders won their first first playoff series in quite some time. And then they go through um, not just a, a minor roster shake, yeah, but it seemed like some of the kids were um, not retained or, or you know moved and brought in. And it always it always worries me that the chemistry is going to kind of be upset from from that process you go through as a young team to learning how to play with each other then learning how to play against other teams and and imposing your will on on any team that you play against and that's a fragile balance how much of of coach capuano's dismissal is actually a result of the offseason moves and the rosters uh roster change that that they went through over the offseason yeah i mean you know they obviously, uh, you know the play of go, uh, the play of last year from Franz Nielsen, Kyle Oposo, to this year with Andrew Ladd and and Jason Chimera has been a, has been a drop off uh, to say the least. But I think the guy that they really miss is Franz Nielsen. In that case, they did do everything they possibly could. In fact, they offered uh, the same deal, and he decided to go to Detroit. Um, so from from that standpoint, but you know this is a team that uh, even though they lost uh, and also lost Matt Martin, this is a team that's been together for a while. I mean, you, you look at these players; they've played together uh, for a while, both on you know you look at the defense and offense alike. Uh, so you, you know changes are, will happen from year to year. You'll lose uh, a couple of players, have a couple of new players come in. Uh, so I, I really don't think I, I think at the end of the day. Uh, what what was the the um, the final straw for Capuano was these you know, the Islanders kept making uh, similar mistakes, uh, be it if they got came out of the game slow or third period woes or uh, what have you. And the other part is some of the youngsters have not developed uh, as well as they should. So I think when you put all that together. And keep in mind, he was the fourth longest uh, tenured uh, coach in the league. So uh, he got hired, I believe, in 2010. So he he had been here a while. So this is, uh, you know, and I'm sure he'll get, you know, another chance down the line. Might have to take an assistant role first. But uh, and who knows? Maybe uh, I don't know what his relationship was like with George McPhee. Maybe George McPhee is very uh, high on him. I have no idea. I don't know if he'll, you know, get consideration for that job. But, um um, yeah, so he did some good things with the Islanders, but in terms of taking that next step, uh, and, and again, I'm not putting it all on Jack Capuano. You know the old expression: you, you can't fire the players, you can only fire the coach. For sure, and I can, I can, uh, on a little tangent here, I can understand watching a team just repeatedly making the same mistakes over and over again, and that caught, caught, cost Coach Fisher his job with the. Uh, my Los Angeles Rams. So just watching that same mistake being repeated over and over again is, is for you as a fan of the Islanders has to be very, very tiring. So maybe a new voice 
maybe uh, some fresh air there in the locker room and, and they can be able to turn it down. There are a lot of teams for him to pass to get to that second wild card spot that you're hoping for. But uh, on the bright side, the, the Islanders have some of the, some of the most skilled and, and, and highly touted prospects coming up through their pipeline. So maybe uh, some of that youthful experience will be on board next, next year. And if, if Dougie Wade is retained or a new coach comes in, they'll be able to change that fortune back to where they look like they were really a team on the rise. Um, speaking of teams on the rise, we did our little playoff spot and, and divisional position segment in last week's break in the ice. And I wanted to kind of introduce a new segment this week, rising and falling and follow up on some of what we talked about last week here before Dana Lang joins us. So I, I put together just a little small list of, of teams that I think are on the rise. And it's coincidental that the caps are heading my team on the rise list this week because Alan C covers the caps and he'll be in, in our third segment of the afternoon to cover that they've stormed up to the top of their division, Minnesota wild, also a team on the rise um, behind the continued good play of Dubnik and, and the, maybe the new voice in the locker room there with Keach Boudreau, coach Boudreau making a big difference there. Um, and the Oilers, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago and whether sustainability was going to be an issue for that, and watching last night, I saw Milan Lucic throwing his weight around, scoring a goal. Um, that, that's got to be good news, Oilers fans. And they've opened up a six-point lead for that that cherished third spot in the Pacific Division. Uh, take take your shots on any or all of those three, and and where you see them headed. Yeah, no, I I would say you know Minnesota's in a battle with uh, Chicago for the division, but they're very secure to say the least. Uh, to sort of get one of those automatic spots. Um, they both have 63 points. Uh, Minnesota does have four games in hand on Chicago. I mean, the, the Caps, you know, it is a dogfight in that East. I mean, they're in first I mean, they're in first place uh, with 66 points, but you got Columbus at 64 and, um, you know, Pittsburgh at 63. And, you know, the Rangers aren't that far behind in, in fourth place uh, in the first wild card spot, believe it or not. At 59 points, so that's going to be a fight as well. Uh, you know, Edmonton actually has a seven-point lead over Calgary, uh, right. games uh, in hand even. Um, so, you know, Edmonton just has to play good hockey the rest of the way. Give them credit; they're six-three and one in their last ten, uh, and you know maybe uh, they'll add some improvements by the deadline. So, right now, you got to be feeling pretty good about all three of those teams and where they're at. For sure, and I and I, I I really like the captain, and we'll get into it more with Allen. Um, despite Columbus's winning streak, and Pittsburgh's caught their offensive touch lately, posting uh, more 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 goals than the Kings could score in a month in their last three or four games. Um, and Washington still finding their stride and managing to get to the top of that division. And Minnesota too, you got to give them a stick tap. Um, Chicago's been the leader in that division from out of the gate, and to come come up from behind and, and tie, take the lead, um, in, in the central, uh, didn't have them there. Either one of us didn't have them there for our, for our central division preview. Um, my pick Nashville is starting to rise, but I'm not ready to put them on a riser on a riser list yet. Maybe we'll keep an eye on them. So going, going down the opposite direction I'll start again with the Pacific division, my Kings drop. They've been hanging around that number eight spot. Uh, second wild card there, and they've dropped out of that position and really yielding ground now in the Pacific after a tough loss to San Jose and being, you know, being passed by Vancouver, who neither one of us had called as being, you know, we thought they were going to be one of the higher lottery picks this season. And they've, I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors or the water in Vancouver, but they're actually really playing some, some solid hockey right now. And, you know, to look at the bottom of the Pacific and see Arizona and Los Angeles there, that wasn't something, you know, anybody expected at the start of the season. So that's that's a team that's falling, in my opinion. Uh, my other faller of the week, St. Louis, word came out yesterday, I think, that they've they've kept Jake Allen at home um, for their for their little road trip they're on and told him to take a break and get his head together is basically what the reports coming out of St. Louis are, even though they're, I believe, third in, the, in their division as we speak now, um, that Nashville – I believe with their win last night tied them for that third spot. Um, what's, what's going on in St. Louis and are they going to be able to maintain a playoff spot 
um, unsettled in goal as they are. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a team that we're used to having big regular seasons, right? And question is, come playoff time, can, sure. they, can, can they kind of break through? And, you know, this year they've been, quite frankly, pretty mediocre. I mean, they're, you know, they're five games above 500. Um, they do technically uh, are in the third spot uh, based on the ROW over Nashville. But, I mean, it's too early to, you know, they both have 51 points and they both have played 46 games. So, the you know, the Blues have to get it together. And I wonder if, uh, to shake things up, if, if it's possible, like, you know, they, they could use Kevin Shattenkirk, who's going to be a UFA at the end of the year. And may, it sounds like he is probably going to move on due to various reasons. And I'm not saying for them to trade him, you know, for, you know, a top draft pick or a top prospect, but, you know, move him to help their team now some way if, that could, if that's possible. Um, yeah, it is confusing because that is a uh, that is a deep team uh, in uh, you know offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, Jake Allen. This is the first time. You know, the one thing, the one red flag I felt about them going in was this: this was the first time that he was going to be the guy. I mean, he always had uh, both him and Brian Elliott kind of. You know, if they didn't have a bad game or two, the other guy can kind of pick them up and. And they, they don't have that uh, that uh, safety net, if you will. So uh, just like a lot of things in sports, uh, what did Yoki say? You know, uh, uh, 90% or 90% of the game is, is physical, the other half mental, you know, something like that. So um, I think that's what you see going on, and they're trying to give him a mental break. Yeah, and, and that was the one thing I was worried about when we were talking about St. Louis was – you know, they've. It seemed like for a long time that the Blues were trying to to force feed for one spot to Jake Allen. He was going to be the direction they headed. Um, I don't. Uh, obviously, when they traded Brian Elliott away, that was that was the writing on the wall. And you just never know how someone's going to react to a number one spot going somewhere else. You could look at at the Kings and say, well, okay. Um, Jonathan Bernier's world beater, number you know, first round pick, played great with the Kings, and just went to be the number one, and and did not have it, and still does not have it. And then Martin Jones, who right. obviously has gone on to success, so it's always it's always tough to tell um, where you're, where a backup inheriting a a number one spot, how that's going to work out, and that. Uh, hopefully for the Blues, Jake Allen can can get his head together and get back on the ice and back to back to some of the form he displayed last year. Well, anyway, let me bring in our good friend of the show, Dana Lane. I see him on hold, play by play of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Club. Good day to you, Dana. How are you, sir? I am doing good, better than what I saw you doing on the side of the road the other night on the way to the Rebel game. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really anticipate it, uh, anticipate having a tire blowout. Uh, not really a great time to do that, uh, but uh, we got Never it done. Is. And you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, good, uh, good on my insurance company because every time I've ever needed them, they've had a guy there, you know, really quick. So um, yeah, we got there. We got there about ten minutes late, but uh, no, no scoring before that. So it was nice of them to wait for me. Very good, very good, and they did. They did end up uh, beating uh, BYU hockey four to three, uh, going to twenty three and five now on the season. Or yeah, twenty three and five on the season. Um, talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the BYU game. Um, you know, I really thought for a team like BYU that has not had a ton of success in hockey. Um, in fact, up until this year, they've been you know, at least record-wise, downright atrocious. But um, I thought they were really scrappy. And if I'm a BYU Cougar fan uh, of, of that team, I think that you have a lot to look forward to. I think the uh, the future is extremely bright. Now, there's a combination of things there. Um, I think since the Christmas break, UNLV has – there's been some turnovers, there's been some additions, there's been some subtractions. Um, but sometimes when you have a break like that, you kind of – lose your mojo. I mean, this is a team that has been used to winning games by five, six, seven goals. And, uh, you know, they've had some tough ones against Northern Arizona for sure. Uh, but this is a team that's used to thriving and putting their foot down on, on opposing uh, teams' throats. And 
and it kind of coasting at the end. And they just, you know, they started off playing the four games in four days in Colorado, and then they played BYU. And, you know, certainly uh, they're three and two, which is 60% hockey, which I think anybody would take. But you set such a standard by what, you know, people can expect from you. And, you know, you can kind of see it on the ice a little bit. They're winning these games because they're better. They're, they're, uh, uh, they're winning these games because, you know, they, they, they're just more talented. But they're not winning it because their mojo is there. And, and they better get it this weekend against an SMU team that they should get it together against uh, quite easily, actually. Uh, because the week after that, they played Northern Arizona and Arizona State in a tough road trip. Uh, they're playing, uh, they're they're uh, you know playing those three games, but two of those games uh, are the Arizona State game is sandwiched in between that. So they're going to be actually taking you know three bus rides: one there, one to to uh, the Arizona State game in Tempe, and then back at the Flagstaff against Northern Arizona. So a tough stretch for them. Still number two because the ACHA <laughs> decides when and if they, they put a ranking out. We haven't seen one since the 13th of December. Uh, but uh, I, I think the general consensus is they still have their destiny in their hands. And if they beat Northern Arizona, which they've done already, uh, they will bypass the regionals and, and go to Columbus. So that, that game would lock up that first round bye uh, and the trip to Columbus if they were to win that? You would think. Well, they played twice. So it will be interesting okay. if there is a split. <laughs> so very interesting if there's a split. And then they finish up with Cal State Northridge, which has a very impressive record, uh, but they're only the ranked 10th, uh, which, you know, if you kind of follow these rankings, if you're in the top yeah. five, that's, you know, if you're 10th, I'm not sure that that means you're very good, even though they have an impressive record. Right. Uh who knows with the way they do their rankings or how often they update them anyway. We've been looking at it this year and (coughs) excuse me. um, They're all over the map with that. Um, Win win and take care of, take care of business on the ice and nothing, nothing left to worry about. That's, that's exactly right. And they certainly have the opportunity to do that. And it is, it is crunch time. And if they take, take care of both of those games against Northern Arizona, uh, there should be no doubt barring any collapse against Northridge, who is 17 and 17-3, um, but you kind of feel like uh, you just kind of get the feel that UNLV is just a, a step above uh, Northridge. Well, exciting times for sure coming down the stretch for, for our skating Rebels. Uh, let me bring in Chris and move the, move the talk over to the Golden Knights a little bit. Chris? Hey, Dana. It's good to talk to you. Um, so, hey, Chris. Uh, Got any interesting tidbits for us on the night? Uh, I believe this week they did their third mock expansion draft. I know you've had some good guests on. Any uh, good tidbits about the night you can share with the audience? Yeah, I don't think that third one has been completed yet. I think they will do that. We talked to uh, Murray Craven on Thursday, and I think that that's what we got from him. Um, But, you know, uh, interesting you know, I think we talked about this last week. I mean, he's still working on that AHL affiliate. Uh, it still looks like it's going to be Chicago. And then, you know, we have Craig Berube's name came up. And then, you know, of course, with any firing, everybody kind of jumps the gun on, oh, oh well, you know, you know, Doug Waite could be the next coach if the Islanders don't keep him. Well, if Doug Waite does well in New York, why wouldn't the Islanders keep him? So, it, it you know, if the Islanders don't want him, why would we want him at that point? Uh, the other, the other thing is, um, you know, we, I, I specifically asked Murray about, you know, has anything changed as far as timetable, uh, the type of coach you're looking for, and he said no. So what that means is they're going to wait till the last minute to get a coach in here. Um, they are going to get one with experience, and and I don't know if that falls in the category of Craig Berube because, you know, it, it doesn't appear he has a lot of head coaching experience. I just think you got to get somebody in here, and I keep on saying this, and I've said it since the beginning of, of the year, I don't wish ill on the Boston Bruins, but I, I talked to a guy. We had a guy on last week, um, you know, from the team that, that worked in Boston, and I said to him, I said, hey, look, you know, <laughs> 
would, would, would Julian be the type of guy that would say, nah, I, I don't want to be part of the expansion process there. That's not for me. Or would he be a type of guy that would embrace that? And, and he flat out said to me, I know Julian personally, and he absolutely would embrace that opportunity. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, and I'm not, I'm not starting rumors. But for me, I think you have to have strength at the top, and I think that's exactly what Julian would bring. Yeah, no, Interesting. Actually, he, 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 I'm sorry, I was just going to say, Go I, 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 he'd probably be very sought after from a lot of teams if, uh, and the rumors keep piling up with the, with the Bruins uh, uh, struggling a little bit, to say the least, lately. Yeah, well, anybody, I mean, look, any, anybody that's done anything in this league would be, um, you know, a, a target of many teams. Uh, I'm just... I, you know, for me, I, I just think, look, we got an all-star cast here, really, in their front office. Um, we have the best advantage any expansion team has ever had in the history, maybe, of sports. Um, I think Julian gets a, would be perfect to get a fresh start on the other side of the country. Not bad. I wouldn't hate that at all. I did want to get into one thing uh, with Murray. Uh, he's... You know, after the job he did on the locker room development there at T-Mobile, at we've both seen it, and it's phenomenal. Um, he, I know he's heading up the practice facility, and did you guys get a chance to talk about how that's coming along? Yeah, he says it's uh, it's going well. Um, he, he doesn't like it when it rains, and, of course, uh, it's rained here sure. the last couple of days. He says he's had uh, some sleepless nights. He's gotten up at 2 o'clock in the morning to uh, to go over plans and look at blueprints. So, um, you can kind of tell he, he's a little stressed about this because there is a, a deadline and I, you know, nobody will ever say, Hey, look, we're behind. That's just not, that's not going to be the golden Knights way. Uh, but you can tell there's a little stress on his face about this, but I think uh, when it's all said and done, it will be ready to go by uh, the time that they need it to start next season. I don't think judging by what he said, that it will be fully completed but it will be at least operational where the team could have a facility to practice. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I'm a union electrician here in town and the, uh, the old adage with the guys on the job site is if you draw a one foot circle and three raindrops hit it, land in that circuit, you head for the <laughs> truck. Right. It, it, so uh, with all the rain, I, I, I can fully empathize with, uh, with, uh, you know, having that impact your schedule because i've dealt with it myself and you know three drops in the circle let's go to the truck and head to the house so um i know what i i know what he's going through out there i did want to to uh maybe start a new segment with you this week and i i we kind of touched base a little bit this morning on it dana for those of you that don't know he's the voice of the unlv rebel hockey team and also co-host of the vegas hockey hotline on ks at hp 1400 with brian blessing here in las vegas 12 to 2 weekdays but uh he's also the owner of dana lane sports and he puts out some of the best sports information and and gaming gaming guidelines if you will uh on the planet so i wanted to uh touch base on that angle of the vegas hockey going down the vegas lane and and maybe bust out a saturday night special pick from dana and he's good enough to help us out with that so what what are you focusing on for this evening well, I think one of the games, I mean, if you go on uh, a website that we write on, on uh, or I write on on a daily basis, SBR Picks, they do a great job with uh, sports handicapping information, specifically the NHL. Um, and we gave out the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight over Ottawa. But I think for the sake of this show, uh, the other game that we were looking at was Calgary and Edmonton. And right. look, uh, I, I've said it for, I have to say it every time, you have to shop for the best numbers because – this number is all over the place. Uh, the best number that I can find is minus $1.35, which is well within the range of what we're comfortable laying. Uh, but then there's uh, other books out there that are up in the $1.50 range, which is right uh, right above the edge of where we'd like to go. So shop for this line a little bit. And we know Calgary has is, is been pretty mediocre at home. Um, they, they seem to be too fine at home, trying to be a little bit extra, more pretty than probably Gullison would like, uh, instead of just being relaxed, which they seem to be more uh, on the road. But, uh, you know, look, I expect a bounce-back effort from Chad Johnson. I really like him a lot. Uh, I know Brian Blessing, who 
uh, is a huge Sabre fan, likes him as well. And, uh, you know, Friday afternoon they held a video session. There was an optional skate that day after Thursday's game. Um, I, I think Gullison is kind of putting the laps all around this team, railing them in a little bit, and saying, look, guys, you have to realize where we're at. We are in the playoff race. I don't know if half of you expected to be there, but we are there uh, after their start. We need to start playing like that, and in order to do that, we need to win games at home. And so I think, you know, everybody on the team, including Sam Bennett, who was a a healthy scratch for the first time in his career, I think, uh, you know, it was kind of a reset session for Calgary. So uh, we're going to go with Calgary minus $1.35 tonight. Uh, Brassat's going to start for, or Brassois is going to start for Edmonton. Uh, Talbot faced 42 shots on Friday and then started 42 of, uh, or 43 of the last 47 games. So, uh, a AHL backup goaltender is going to be in for, uh, Edmonton tonight, which is certainly usually something that I like to shy away from, uh, because you just don't know what you're going to get with these guys. But I think it's, it's less about Talbot not being there and more about Calgary reeling themselves in and going to give a hundred percent effort tonight. All right. Well, that, that looks like one of the more fun games to watch on the schedule as well as the, the Ottawa Toronto game tonight too. So we'll keep an eye on that, sir. And we've got our next guest looking to talk some capitals hockey on the line. So we're going to have to let you go and we'll be talking to you next week, sir. Thanks again for joining us. All right, guys. Have a great show. Thank you. And now we'll bring in Alan Zlodzinski. Oh, is it going to happen? There we go. Alan, good day to you, sir. Thank you for coming in to join the show today. That's fantastic. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to talk some Capitals hockey. Uh, Alan Zlodzinski is the assistant editor, on-air host, and columnist for Space Coast Daily Sports Talk. You can follow Alan on Twitter at ZLotSports. Um, thank you again for joining us. I'm going to let Chris kick off the Washington Capitals talk with you, and I'd like to get into a little bit later on what you see projected uh, the Vegas angle coming into the expansion grass. But let me bring in Chris, and uh, we'll talk some Capitals hockey. Absolutely. Sounds good. Of course, I co-host on Monday nights along with Alan on the NHL on the Ice podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at NHL on underscore the underscore ice. And my friend, uh, your Capitals are looking like world beaters these days. Um, you have to be feeling very confident about them. Uh, is there? Do you have any concerns about this team? No, no, not at the moment I don't. Uh, obviously, the only concerns as a Capitals fan that you would have is what happens once the cherry blossoms bloom in D.C. in April, right? Because, I mean, right. that is the time of the year that, uh, you know, as Capitals fans – you need to start getting concerned. But I think this is uh, not to sound like a broken record for anybody that covers the Capitals, follows the Capitals, or loves them. Um, but I do think that this is a year in which the Washington Capitals may be able to have a different outcome come April and May. Now, Alan, do you think, I mean, this was a top team last year. They kind of just tinkered in the offseason. They made a couple of nice moves, picking up Laura Zeller and Brett Conley. If any, do you see them if uh, doing anything at the trade deadline? And if so, where would you think they would look to add? Well, you know, I mean, the Capitals are always a team that, uh, you know, again, we saw the Penguins were able to do it from within the organization last year in terms of being a four-line deep team in the playoffs. I mean, the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Washington Capitals last year because they were able to develop prospects a little bit quicker as the season wore on. The speed from the younger guys absolutely caught the Capitals by surprise and off guard. Uh, towards the end of the year, I mean, I'll take you back to that 6-2 to two game that the Penguins beat the Capitals in late March uh, last year. That really was the tide turner. Uh, and the Capitals were just dead in the water come playoff time against Pittsburgh. Now, a lot of people say, well, a puck drop here or a puck drop there uh, in, the, uh, in the postseason. But really, I felt the Penguins – skated circles around the Washington Capitals in the playoffs. They didn't dominate them, but they were clearly the quicker team. And I think what the Capitals have done this year is they've kind of the same thing, if you will. Uh, you look down into, uh, you know, homegrown talent with the Washington Capitals. I don't know if you'll see a guy like Jakob Verona come up, uh, 
but certainly uh, the Capitals have some talent in, in the American Hockey League that they could draw from. But remember, guys, this is a team at, at current right now, a guy that George McPhee essentially put together. You're talking about eight first-round draft picks on this team. And uh, these guys, you know, they can still go out there and get it done in the Alex Ovechkins of the world and Nick Backstrom's. And then you throw in a guy like an Evgeny Kuznetsov, who was drafted, uh, you know, in the first round back in uh, 2010 and spent a couple of years in Russia. Andre Berkovsky, um, who was drafted in the first round back in 2013. You look at a kid like Brett Connolly, who the Capitals have brought up. So I think the Capitals have kind of pulled a page out of the Penguins' uh, lineup in terms of allowing their younger prospects to play. That's something that didn't always occur uh, in the George McPhee era. Now, Alan, come the play, you mentioned the playoff time. Come playoff time, who is going to be – who's their tough – who's the Capitals' toughest matchup? Is it, is it the Rangers? Is it the young Blue Jackets? Is it Carey Price and the Canadians? Or is it another team? i got a funny feeling I'm going to say somebody else. But who, who, who are they, who's going to give them – Well, it's, uh, it's going uh, well, to be, be the Penguins, Chris. It, it always is the Penguins. Uh, you know, there was a couple of years there that the Capitals battled with the Rangers uh, in the playoffs. But for the Washington Capitals, the hump is always going to be Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. It always has been. I don't care uh, if it was Mario Lemieux or Yalmir Yager or Tom Barrasso. It's always been the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it will always be the Penguins. It's always going to be Sid against Ovi. It's always going to be can Braden Holpe keep that one puck out of the net, regardless of who the Pittsburgh Penguins have backstopping for them. Uh, so that's going to be the team that if the Capitals can get past, maybe they can finally hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. I don't know. Uh, you know, we saw a, a terrific game the other night, a, a complete, unbelievable hockey game between these two teams the other night where defense just wasn't in the cards for either of them. Uh, Pittsburgh wins on a two-point conversion, 8-7. to seven, And uh, what, a, what a phenomenal hockey game if you like goal scoring. But I know both coaches uh, – Sullivan and Trotz, I'm sure they weren't too happy with their blue lines or their goaltenders. Yeah, um, sorry. I kind of hit mute button on myself for a second there. This is Mark. Um, We're talking with Alan Zlotarzynski on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, sir. And I'd like – one thing I've noticed in the past month or so as the Capitals have started to climb through – What's a, a chainsaw of a division with with the way everybody else at that top tier top end is playing? Um, they were able to reclaim first place in that division. Um, how much of it is coincidental to the uh, increased production of my old friend Justin Williams, who's who's uh, in the last month has started to come alive and play the kind of game Capitals fans expect and need from him. Well, a lot of it has to do with the play of Justin Williams. You know, while you still have your Alex Ovechkins and your Nick Backstroms, uh, this is a team that's always brought in a leader like a Justin Williams. And, you know, it's funny because uh, we talked about this the other night, and I think the thing that's finally clicked the Washington Capitals is, is Barry Trotz uh, and in his system of uh, complete and utter puck possession uh, and, and responsible play away from the puck which is something the Capitals have been always been completely undisciplined in. This has been one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League in terms of discipline away from the puck. Barry Trotz doesn't stand for it. Now, it's taken Barry Trotz about 18 months, but finally, here over the last six to seven weeks, I'd say, that system that Barry Trotz likes to play, and it's clear-cut, gentlemen, it's puck possession, undisciplined play away from the puck, and, and hold your responsibilities at the blue line. And if you can do those three things and do them well, um, then, then you'll produce a winning team. Now, the problem with Barry Trotz has been he hasn't always had guys when he was in Nashville that could put the puck in the net. That's not the case here, as we saw this week. The Caps give up eight goals uh, to Pittsburgh, and then they bounce right back the next night, only allow three to a pretty good St. Louis team, but yet they put seven more in the net. So I think that while Justin Williams has been a key cog for the Capitals uh, climb back to the top of not just the Metro, but I think they're, they're tops in the National Hockey League now with 66 uh, points. Yep. But I think it's the Barry Trotz's system has finally, finally clicked in full force with everybody on this team. 
No, there was there was one goal, and there was there was a whole bunch to look at, but it was really indicative too of of that that system and and having your star player buy into it. There was a there was a play where Ovechkin came down on an odd numbered rush, and he got. We all know his office is that left face off dot, and you you never see him miss the net or, or, you know, when he's there, it's almost golden. You know what I'm saying? But there's a play where he yep. came down and he squared up to fire. And I know what, you know where I'm going with this. And I forget who the player was yep. that came down the center of the ice, but he laid that puck, not on goal, but on his teammate's stick. And it was such an easy tap in goal. How, how encouraging is that to see the star player buying into the system that well? Um, when, when at times, sometimes that has been a knock against Ovi. Well, I, I think that that's everything. That is absolutely everything for, for the Washington Capitals. Uh, because, you know, Ovi's a buy-in guy, maybe come playoff time. But by that time, you know, I mean, this is an 82-game haul. And, 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 you know, look, there's no secret that Ovi and Bruce, Bruce Boudreau never quite bought into one another. And obviously when Dale Hunter was there. Uh, but I think Ovi now realizes – that, look, if he really is going to win a Stanley Cup, this is the guy that's going to have to get him there. You know, he's not going to go anyplace else and win a Stanley Cup uh, because, obviously, he would be the centerpiece of the team and, and the salary cap and, and all that comes with that with building around him. This is his best shot to do it right here in Washington, D.C., and the best guy for the job is Barry Trotz. Ovi's matured, and I assume or hope that he's figured out by now that you know what this guy knows what's best in terms of the system on the ice, so it's gr- it's great to see Ovechkin buy into that. No, I was watching that game and I and I, I saw that play and I think, well, 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 what have we here? Yep. Um, just just <laughs> um, it, it was it was really good to see, even though I'd like to see uh, uh, some games where we're not giving up eight goals out of Washington, yeah. but. Uh, on fire right now they followed up that game with another seven goal outburst i think last night so they're finding their scoring touch too so yeah i don't know how much of that you put on the caps and that and how much is just pittsburgh's finding their gears right now on the offensive side of the ice you know aside from the the uh the game this week against uh against pittsburgh where eight goals were allowed you know i thought kevin allen brought up an interesting point the other day when he mentioned that uh this season uh, Brandon Holtby is actually putting up better numbers this season than he did last year when he won the Vezina Trophy. And the reason that it really isn't being recognized uh, in terms of what he's accomplished so far this season uh, is quite honestly because of the Capitals' slow start. I mean, prior to that eight-goal outburst, the Capitals as a team, Philip Grabauer got in on one of those. But the Capitals had shut out four of their previous six opponents and were allowing less than two goals a game prior to that eight-goal outburst. So, you know, to be in that, to be that far into January with the Washington Capitals, and you look and you see that the top defensive team allowing less than two goals a game is, is the red and white. Uh, it was kind of shocking, to be quite honest with you. Right, right. Well, uh, we being here in Vegas, um, we do have our common connection with George McPhee. What uh, I, I, I like what I see from him so far, but I'm I'm curious as to what we can expect. You did go through the rebuild there in, uh, I believe, 2003, um, or yep. or that was the that was that was the tail end of it, or just the start of it. Um, what what kind of of, of roster are we going to look for? Are we going to look for a, a Washington Capitals 2.0? And that's the brand of hockey that George McPhee uh, really likes to play and focus on. Yeah, I think so. And I think that he's clearly already stated that uh, what George McPhee likes to assemble, and, and, and he doesn't hold this back, is an exciting brand of hockey. And, you know, he's not just saying that for the, you know, to, to sell tickets or put butts in seats or get people to watch this Las Vegas team. George McPhee is going to assemble a team that gets out there and puts the puck in the net. I mean, that's what he does. I mean, you look at this Washington Capitals team, again, all the homegrown talent that, that, that's currently that's currently having success with this roster is George McPhee's guys. You know, I mean, 11 current homegrown draft picks on this team. Uh, you know, five of these guys uh, acquired via free agency, but uh, eight of these guys drafted by McPhee in the first round, one of them in the second round, two of them in the fourth. And then the diversity in terms of, you know, where throughout the world George McPhee has sent his scouts to draft these players, you know, eight Canadians, five Americans, 
two Russians, two Swedes, and four from other parts of the world. I mean, McPhee's going to go to the four corners of the world to find great talent for this organization. Uh, I, I would be very excited about what George McPhee's going to do uh, for Las Vegas. And, you know, I, I, I like George. George was fantastic for the Washington Capitals. I mean, he had a 17-year tenure here. He did some tremendous good for this organization. He is the reason why this team is built the way that it is. Uh, you know, there at the end, it got a little dicey because he, I felt like George panicked at the end in terms of, you know, when he made the Forsberg and Erat trade, you know, and then, you know, he switched coaches a little too often, bringing in Hunter and then Adam Oates. You know, he was really, he was pressing to win that Stanley Cup is what he was doing. And we all know when we press, we do things we don't normally do. And George McPhee did some things he wouldn't normally have done. And I think it cost the Capitals and, uh, you know, it, it cost him his time there. Uh, but, you know, both McPhee, the Capitals, you know, Brian McClellan, you know, everybody's better off now. And, and I think Las Vegas has is, is got a real winner there in uh, George McPhee. And, and I think, you know, here's the other thing I'll throw out there, too. You know, I, I, I like the fact that he hasn't gone right out and hired a coach. I like the fact that he sat back and that he's watched this process take place. Um, you know, I, George McPhee is, is, was known here as a patient guy. You know, he, he allowed some players to play through some slumps that, that um, you know, Mike Green is the perfect example. You know, Mike Green sat on the Capitals' blue line, and while Mike Green put up some numbers, there was a time at the end there where people wanted Mike Green traded at the trade deadline. They wanted him gone. And rightfully, McPhee could have went out and, and, and brought some talent in to maybe help the Capitals in the playoffs. But when it was all said and done, Mike Green turned out to be the better option once the playoffs hit anyway. So, you know, McPhee's a guy that will stick with his players, um, and, and he'll find that organization the right coach. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I know Chris wanted to jump in a little bit here and, and, and touch on the Vegas angle. Chris? Yeah, Alan, so knowing the Capitals as well as you do and knowing McPhee as well as you do, what would you be if uh, you would have put a little you know, wager on who Vegas was going to select from the Capitals and expansion? Where would you put your money on? I'd put it on Philip Grubauer. Uh, I'd put it right there on, on Philip Grubauer. Uh, Philip Grubauer is a top-notch talent, fourth-round pick, a McPhee pick. Uh, and Grubauer has been uh, exceptional as a backup goaltender. He'll be had cheap. And you know what? He'll be a starter in this league. And I think that if you can get away in the expansion draft with finding a goalie that can be an NHL starter and give you uh, at least for the first two years a decent save percentage and keep you in games early – uh, I think you hit a home run. If you don't have to go out and spend a ton of money on a goaltender, why do it? And I think that uh, I, I'd keep my eye on Philip Grubauer. I really would. And my last one for me before I hit, uh, give, give you back to Mark is uh, on, top, on top of being uh, knowing you, Alan, on top of being a huge Capitals fan, you are a huge hockey fan. How big do you think or how much, how excited are you about, and, you, you know, give us an honest assessment here. Uh, about in terms of Las Vegas uh, coming to the NHL and uh, and helping grow the sport. Well, I, you know, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's great for the National Hockey League. I think it's I think it's great for Las Vegas. Uh, you know, obviously the other day we saw the Oakland Raiders follow their papers to come to Vegas, which is just you know it's just a time thing now before the Raiders are there. Uh, I think it's fantastic. My only issue is with the NHL itself in that I just simply don't feel, nor have I ever felt like the league does enough to market uh, their fantastic superstars in these great cities. Um, so we'll see how the NHL proceeds moving forward with Las Vegas. But, I, you know, Chris, you and I talk about it all the time uh, with how much more the National Hockey League could do for their organizations and for their young superstars. Because I can't think of uh, another league that's, that, that has such an amazing – uh, group of young, talented players as the National Hockey League. Major League Baseball would be second in terms of your Trouts and your Harpers. But really, when you look at it, the influx of young talent in the last five years in this game, uh, it, it, no other sport rivals. I mean, it doesn't even come close. And the National Hockey League, in my opinion, just doesn't do enough to market these guys. And now that you've got Las Vegas in the mix, um, you know, a, a, another market where people love to come, love to play, 
uh, I think the National Hockey League needs to step up a little bit more, and I'd love to see it because McPhee is going to draft. A, he's going to put together a team that's young and exciting. Um, I, I would. The only thing I would say is I would expect McPhee to build more from um, the entry level draft and the expansion draft. I think he's. I think he's kind of said that. But uh, you're going to have yep. a great hockey team out there, and I'd like to see the NHL stand behind it. That's one thing that I've been talking about now. This is Mark again. Um, the the amount of talent that can come in and compete in the National Hockey League right now at 18, 19, 20 years old is is unprecedented in the game, um, in the history of the game. There's, there's so much uh, just young, highly skilled hockey players. And, and the more global and the more the, the game grows, the, the deeper that talent pool goes. And I think – and I went back and looked this up. From the 2015 draft, I think there's now been 20 of the – guys taken in the first round that have actually already made their their nhl debuts and even going back to just just pre-lockout in the early 2000s uh, and the detroit model where you would take you would take a guy in the first round and you'd let him finish his last year or two in juniors then you'd sign him to his ahl deal then you'd let him play three or four years in the ahl and you wouldn't see any of these kids until they were 23 24 years old um and now it seems like the league as, as, as a whole has so much young talent. It's kind of hard. You know, the floodgates are open right now. And if you have, if you have the Austin Matthews coming from Arizona and, and obviously the McDavid's and the Eichel's and the line A's and, and just, uh, you know, the, the defensemen that are coming up with Gosta Spear um, and some, some, you know, Proveroff uh, that are coming in and, and taking that hybrid defenseman, uh, sort of take the Brent Burns model, if you will, where you, where you do have a good shot. You you can't move the puck. You can't skate. Um, the the game is changing, and and to be entering the league at this portion, this you know this time era of the National Hockey League, super exciting for Las Vegas, and it, it's cool to hear you say that. Um, one one more thing uh, before, or did you want to comment on that at all? Or yeah, like- yeah, I would just say you know you're you're 100 right. And, you know, expansion opens the opportunity for, what, 20, 23 more players, right? I mean, so you're yeah. going to see even more talent come into the league. And then the other thing, too, is that uh, with the way that the United States program has developed, you know, a record number of players Correct. drafted in the first round. They just won the under uh, the World Junior Championships again. So, you know, the National Hockey League, uh, look, we, we love Canada, but the bottom line is, you know, <laughs> Uh, there's there's three times as many teams in the states as there is in Canada, right? So uh, the National Hockey League loves it when this country thrives, and right now I don't think this sport has, or at least has, the potential to thrive more than it ever has. You're 100 percent right. No, I agree. I agree with that 100. percent Alan, is there anything is there anything you want to get out there and where to find all your stuff before we have to let you go? Yeah. No, it's just, uh, you know, each night from 9 to 10 right there, I uh, do a local sports talk show here, and of course, with Chris and Brian on Monday nights, and uh, everything can be found on Twitter there. It's a lot of sports, ZLOT sports, and uh, guys, I really appreciate you having me on today. No, for sure. It's our pleasure, as always, and we'll definitely have you back on uh, later in the season if the Capitals can go on and, and finish up a back-to-back President's Trophy campaign. We'd love to have you back on again and talk about how that came to fruition later on down the road. Hey, no problem. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great day. All right, you too. You too. All right. Take care, guys. All right, and that'll wrap up our Capitals slash uh, Vegas angle. Uh, segment of the show, Chris. Uh, thoughts and and queries on on what Alan had to say. It seems like uh, we're all on the same page with where the Capitals are headed. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, it's going to really come down to to do those tight series of the playoffs when they play, and the Capitals are an elite team, obviously. But when they play the Penguins or the Canadians and uh, uh, things of that nature, and and it's going to be a six or seven game series, and finding a way to win that three two four three two one game, and uh, winning the series in six or seven, as opposed to losing it like like they have been in uh, in previous years. So, uh, and I I I know Alan's a big, you know, when it was first started off in terms of uh, the rumor mill of the last spring about George McPhee, and I reached out the first person I reached out to was Alan, and Alan uh, 
said that would be a great hire for them. So, uh, yeah, Allen's a great guess for, uh, on all those accounts. So uh, for all the Capitals fans listening, you can follow Allen on Twitter at Z-L-O-T Sports, Z-Lot Sports, and also one of his podcasts, NHL on underscore the underscore ice, where he co-hosts with Chris and and Brian on Monday nights, right? Yeah, seven to nine live show, and then I, it's, I believe that we're on the Fan Speak Radio and WBLZ as well, so if you can catch the, the replays or you know, listen to it just like this show anytime you, uh, anytime you want. So next week, my friend, we're going to be talking Minnesota wild hockey. We've been trying to get a wild guest on for some time. And, yeah, yeah. uh, I, I, I am like 99%. We have somebody, a part of the hockey writers, uh, network. I'm not going to say this yet, but I, I believe we were locked in with that. So, uh, uh, but yeah, we'll be talking Minnesota wild, uh, next week and uh not that far away we're gonna we have our big uh, trade deadline show uh the week after the super bowl so that's sunday uh february 12th at three o'clock eastern noon pacific we have uh zach devine and matt Pryor of the hockey writers and we have uh jd styles of cali sports news so uh that's gonna be a fun round table hour show uh with all the boys I don't know if we're going to be able to squeeze it into an hour, Chris, with all that. Uh, each one of them has great yeah, perspective. Yeah, so. that, 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 that might be an hour and a half. That might be an hour and a half show. That's true. That's yeah, I'm going to set it up for a 90-minute spot on Blog Talk, and we're just going to yeah. free air it and, and see where it goes, which actually I think are some of the best shows when we get guys like that on that really know what they're talking about and just let them go with it. I, that's uh, That's some of my favorite times. Um, we are on the hockeywriters.com podcast page along with a bunch of other podcasts. Make sure you make sure you go over there and check out their of hockey podcasts. All of them are good. All of them are worth your time. Uh, some of them are fan specific to the teams. Others like us talk to general a general uh, NHL platform, if you will. Uh, so make sure you go to the hockeywriters.com and check out that. Uh, as always, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and our shows are now archived at Blog Talk Radio since we changed over to doing the live format. Um, it's really been a good boost to the show as far as listeners. And, and you know, another another shout out to our European friends across the pond. It's always exciting to see how those numbers keep going up. Uh, Sweden, France, Norway, and the UK seem to be our 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 anchor across the pond if you will of, of the people that are you know coming together and, and listening to the show so we all always appreciate them final thoughts on the week and what we're looking forward to uh on the ice coming up here in the next week or so i know wait t- tonight uh, before i kick it over to you chris tonight we are going to be on the king's road talk podcast uh look up at jd underscore styles s-t-y-l-z we're going to be kicking off the top of the show right at 7 p.m 7 p.m pacific yeah no. or 7 p.m eastern yes, uh, 7 PM. no it's uh i'm pacific. okay yes, 7 p.m pacific after the islander kings yeah after the there you go King there you game. go so 10 10 so roughly 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific yeah Obviously, I'm uh, curious about how the Islanders are going to play the next few games with so much on the line and new coach and uh, uh, dealing with a lot of you know good teams. The Kings tonight, who they always seem to lose by one goal again, seems. So, uh, and also people would have checked. I have a couple of brand new articles up. One hit this morning at EyesOnIsles.com. Uh, yeah, yeah. Breaking down how. The Islanders and the Avalanche are the perfect partners to pull off a major deal. So uh, check that out. I wanted to debate that article with you just real quick. Um, you're gonna you're gonna offer up Hamannick and a prospect for for Landis Gog. I'm gonna I'm gonna offer Muzzin and uh, a prospect and a pick for Landis Gog, who I think might be a better fit as far as as the system is concerned in L.A. Who do you think gets that deal done? Well, I actually offered up uh, uh, Hamannick, one of, uh, of the, you know, they're going to have to give up either Anthony Bellevue, Kiefer Bellows, who was the first-round pick uh, last year. Don't do Michael it. Cole was the fifth, fifth overall pick a couple of years ago. That one of those three guys, along with uh, really good goalie prospect, Linus Soderstrom, who 
Elliot Friedman uh, reported this week that Colorado wants to get a young goalie uh, in these deals, if you will. So kind of a three-for-one package. And, again, it all comes down to how the Avalanche feel about that. I think Hamannick uh, is a little bit uh, – a couple of years younger than Muzzin. Um, you know, it, it comes down to the eye of the beholder, you know, from that standpoint um, in terms of, um, you know, to Cole or Kiefer Bellows and – Guys like that, I know earlier in the year, uh, Colorado inquired about Anthony Bellevue, the young, uh, the first-round pick from uh, 2015, uh, who's got a real good two-way game, could be a, re- you know, uh, like I said, a strong top six forward. Um, so uh, there's going to be a lot of teams interested for sure. I've heard the Islanders linked with Landeskog as well as Duchesne. I guess the other question is, would Colorado consider trading both of them? You know, um, would they trade I think they are. Duchesne went, yeah, would they trade Duchesne to one team for three players and, and trade Landis Cog to another team for three players? Uh, if they really want to, you know, change the mix, if you think about it, you know, they have Nathan McKinnon, Tyson Giles, who was the first-round pick, top-ten pick last year for them, is yep. on the fast track. Uh, they have Mikko Ratanen. So, you know, especially if, if in, in these deals they can get a Bellows or a Del Cole or what have you, a guy knocking on the NHL door, uh, get a couple of forwards in those deals as well as uh, help out other areas of their team and get deeper, uh, I think that's a possibility. Now, whether or not that happens between now, or that happens between now and the trade deadline, maybe they do one of those deals uh, between now and the trade deadline and the other, you know, before the expansion draft or, or before the draft, you know, uh, we, we'd have to see. But, uh yeah, I would think they would get very competitive offers for those players. Even I don't want to see you time, guys. Uh, I don't yeah. want to see you guys give up give up Bellows in that. I think uh, I really like that kid. Um, <coughs> excuse me, that'd be a that'd be a big price to uh, kind of a. I mean, if you're all if you're already yeah. going to give up Hamannick, but maybe maybe giving up it, the Bellevue and the goalie prospect would be enough to get that deal done. So you got to give to get. Um, yeah, you know, Bellows does look like a really good, but again, he's a prospect. I'm not, and I'm a huge believer of building your team through the draft. Uh, where the Islanders are fortunate of is they have a lot of these top end forward prospects, so uh, they can trade one to land a proven guy to help their team now, and they still have, you know, let's say they trade Bellows. Well, they still have Phil Cole. They they and they still have Barzell. The, the only thing I said about that trade, what the Islanders can do, is they cannot, if they're going to trade uh, Travis Hamannick, they can't trade their uh, youngster Ryan Pulak or Devin Tate. They can't, because they are going to, those kind of guys are going to replace Hamannick. So they can't give up both of those things. They can't trade Barzell, because quite frankly, Barzell in the near future could wind up being better than Duchesne or Landeskog. And obviously, given where they are in the standings, they can't trade their first round pick because that could wind up being a top 10 pick. So, you know, check out the article. I think it's. You know, I'm not. It's. I think it's approached from not one of these silly fan things of, you know, we'll give you 50 cents on the dollar kind of thing. Um, right. Uh, you know, kind of uh, for the team. But uh, Colorado, one would think uh, it seems like they're very motivated, and I know teams like the Islanders and the Kings are motivated. So the question, when that happens, that's that's half the battle. Then it's kind of, you know, how do you match up with in terms of what I want, you have, and vice versa. In the terms of the Islanders and the Avalanche, they do match up really well. Now, push can, sometimes with these things, push can come to shove, and these deals don't happen over, you know, the slightest thing or difference of opinion, and, and then you hit an impasse, even if you get down to the one yard line, if you will. Well, we're getting we're getting to, we're getting to be that time where uh, you know past the midpoint all-star games coming up trade deadline not too far after that so i'm sure we're both going to be speculating a little bit on <laughs> on uh all, all the moves that are gonna you know some someone something's gonna have to break the ice here because there's a lot of players that need to be moved for this to so teams can protect the players that they want to protect come june so i'm sure we're going to be speculating yeah, about would, that I, a lot i would think the islanders specifically uh they're going to pull off a major deal like that uh, and again, it wouldn't just be about this year, but moving forward. Um, but they're going to want to do that sooner than later. They're not going to want to wait to the end of February that 
they're going to tell, I would imagine, tell Joe Sack, hey, Joe, you know, don't think like, okay, I can get this from us and, you know, we'll touch base in a month. Like, you know, kind of like we're either going to do this in the, you know, in the near future now over the next week or so, or, you know, we're going to, we're going to move on. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll be we'll be able to lock down our, our Minnesota Wilds in our time slot, and we'll be putting that out at Vegas Hockey Pod on Twitter, so you guys can all turn in tune in next week. If there's a team that you guys want to have us, you know, talk about and feature on on an episode of the show, drop us a line at Mark Warner at VegasHockeyPodcast.com, and we'll get we'll get Chris churning the wheels and, and kicking the bushes to, to bring someone up to highlight your team. So drop us a line, let us know who you're interested in and we'll do our best to accommodate you until next week for Chris on Mark. And we're gone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.